Dr. Bill Sinyard, and this is the Gospel Rant, and also associated with the Forgiving Path. Look, great feedback on the last two words for a pandemic. So we're going to call this more words for a pandemic, number two. Uh, So I'm going to take the time to answer one of the more interesting comments. First, no, the Trinity does not practice social distancing. Uh, Two, that's way above my pay grade anyway. So thanks for asking, I think. At least you were listening. Good on you. I certainly don't want to shame you. And the other comment is that sales for flattening the curve t-shirts are up. Well, at least they would be up if we were actually selling them. Sadly, we're not. Look, uh, we can all use some good news about now. Yes, I've never seen anything like this pandemic in my 63 years. It's causing so many to suffer experience loss, disruption to lives and careers and jobs and health. And, and I admit, it's, it's scary. It's tough to deal with something you can't see that can kill you or kill loved ones. Um, so there is reason for fear. Uh, but look, we're in this together. We're going to make it through this together. We're going to rebuild together. Um, so I, hopefully this can help. I want to get back to shining some light on that nasty beast in our brains, uh, shame, The more we can diminish shame, the better we can get through all of this. In C.S. Lewis's insightful book published in 1945, The Great Divorce, which, by the way, is not about divorce at all, rather a metaphor about our all-too-real struggle to feel the love of God because of our shame, primarily. Uh, C.S. Lewis describes the journey of one human who just can't or won't get it. In the great divorce, deceased humans must take a bus to the edge of heaven and journey towards the great mountain to finally be with God and at last get their sense of significance, security, and belonging directly from him and his loving arms, sans beast. But there are challenges. The blades of grass in this place are so solid and so painful that uh, they're hard to handle. And the ghost-like deceased humans uh, have their feet hurt by just walking on them, at least at the edge of the cliff. Uh, But still, as they proceed, the largest hindrance is the beast within their brain. Uh, So don't misunderstand. In The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis creates a scenario where humans aren't expected to do it on their own. Does that sound familiar? Heavenly beings who were former humans, just like uh, the humans that traveled to to this, uh, this cliff, who have completed the journey, and they're now solid and confident. They're very free and vulnerable and naked. They don't know any shame. And Lewis refers to them as solid spirits or bright people. And here's the promise, is as the deceased human ghost walk, move upward and onward towards God, the heavenly mountain, they will become more solid and feel less and less discomfort. Uh, less and less shame. And God has sent these heavenly beings called spirits, right, our solid uh, people to distinguish them from the ghost, to help the humans journey towards the mountain and the, the sunrise to be with God. So one solid spirit has come to assist the female ghost make the trek. So I want you to listen to uh, the female's beast 
I mean, it should be really clear. This entity within her brain that's working nonstop to keep her from running into the loving embrace of the King of Kings. And and that's the only thing that's ever going to truly uh, still the tongue, silence the beast. All right, here's Lewis. A ghost hobbled across the clearing, looking over its shoulder as if it were being pursued. I saw that it had been a woman, a well-dressed woman, and I thought that its shadows of finery looked ghastly in the morning light. It was making for the bushes. It seemed to believe it was hiding. A moment later, I heard the sound of feet, and one of the bright people came in sight. One always noticed that sound for there, for we ghosts made no sound when we walked. Go away, squealed the ghost. Go away. Can't you see that I want to be alone? But you need help, said the solid one. If you have the least trace of decent feeling left, you'll keep away, said the ghost. I don't want help. I want to be left alone. Do go away. You know I can't walk fast enough on those horrible spikes to get away from you. It's abominable for you to take advantage. Oh, that, said the spirit. That will soon come right. But you are going it the wrong direction. It's back there to the mountains you need to go. And you can lean on me all the way. I can't absolutely carry you, but you need have almost no weight on your feet. And it will hurt less at every step. Can't you understand anything? Do you really suppose that I'm going out there among all those people like this? I'd never have come at all if I'd known that you all would be dressed like that. Friend, you see that I'm not dressed at all. I didn't mean that. Do go away. How can I go out like this among a lot of people with real solid bodies? It's far worse than going out with nothing on would have been on earth. Have everyone staring through me? Oh, I see. But we were all a bit ghostly when we first arrived, you know. That will wear off. Just come out and try. But they'll see me. What will it matter if they do? I'd rather die. But you've already died. I wish I'd never been born. What are we born for? For infinite happiness, said the spirit. You can step out into it at any moment. But I tell you, they'll see me. An hour hence, and you will not care. A day hence, and you will laugh at it. Don't you remember on earth there were things too hot to touch with your finger, but you could drink them all right? Shame is like that. If you will accept it, if you will drink the cup to the bottom, you will find it very nourishing. But if you try to do anything else with it, and it scalds. Friend, could you only for a moment fix your mind on something, not yourself? Wow, it's a great quote from C.S. Lewis and The Great Divorce. So there it is. Now look, I get what she's all about. I can resonate with her. Uh, I understand. Me too. The woman ghost was so afraid of what others thought about her appearance. There was shame and terror of falling short of the expectations of others, of being exposed, mocked, rejected, how she was dressed, her translucency, and that she was, that she was so terrified to receive help that could end her struggles and take her to where she desperately wants and needs to be. You see, a child could make that trek, but she could not. Because shame is that debilitating. And as we've said before, it starts at age zero. It's largely a fear cycle, right? So she was in survival mode. And by the way, you get the irony, a dead person in survival mode, right? So her prefrontal cortex had shut down due to cortisol, that fear cycle. She wasn't being reasonable. She couldn't process long-term consequences with her brain half offline. I mean, think adolescence. The beast in her head was too much for her to overcome. Man, this has got to sound familiar, right? The earth-affected, exposed wraith of a woman was terrified, 
get this, of the only way for her to become truly dressed. Her glory would have to come from God. This latter-day glory doesn't have any shame. And up until that point, she believed, she lived by uh, this truth that her value, her worth, her glory, her beauty, uh, her ability to make friends was determined by her efforts in makeup and hairdo and dress and adornment and spanks and being nice to others and the like. She was so afraid of truly being seen for who she was, a person that she did not ultimately see as worthy or beautiful. Her flaws and innate ugliness, all those things that she could only push away, the only one who had power to lead her into an experience of real worth. She couldn't do it. She couldn't trust the spirit being. She was too ashamed to drink from the only stream of living water. Man, that's just, that's so true. And that's the essence of the beast shame we've been talking about. And it's tragic. And such shame is 100% self-focused. It's innate selfishness. Maybe a bit confusing at first glance because it would seem that it would seem other oriented to the extent that she is concerned what others think of her appearance. But the core is that she's concerned for herself, not for others. Right. It's normal. No judgment for me. I'm not criticizing this lady. Man, I get there every day. But as we said in the last station, this entrenched, hidden, anti-you beast has a very powerful enemy, the experienced love of God towards you that Jesus purchased for you 2,000 years ago. That's yours no matter what you do or do not do, or what others do, or more importantly, what you feel you deserve. Not just the love of God, but your experience of it, to one degree or another right now, that will change your mind, that will actually quiet the beast a little bit, maybe 5% or 10%. Uh, Not 100%, that's left for heaven, but the change should be noticeable. And you can take that one more step towards God, right? And and you could feel a weight off your shoulder a little. The anxiety levels drop a bit. Your stress, your desire to to hide, to cover up, to blame others, have those things reduced a little bit. You should smile more. You should actually want to enter relationships a bit more, or at least avoid them less. Makes sense? And look, it won't cure the pandemic, but we might just be nicer to self-quarantine with. Until that time, some are easier to social distance from than others, if you know what I mean. Well, I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard, and this is the Gospel Rant. We'll see you next time. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.